Hello and welcome to Alice is Everywhere. My name is Heather. Today we will read Chapter 10 of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, entitled The Lobster Quadrille. A quadrille is a dance. It has four people in a square, and from what I can tell, even the non-Wonderland version is rather complicated. Alice is still in the company of the Mock Turtle and the Griffin, in chapter 10, so you can be sure they will put their own uniquely insane spin on this dance. You'll recall that when we last left our hero, she was listening to a plethora of bad puns from the Mock Turtle involving his schooling. Alice asked him a rather difficult question about the lessons lessening from day to day, and the Griffin interrupted and told the Mock Turtle to tell Alice about some games. And now we hear the Mock Turtle's response. Chapter 10 the Lobster Quadrille. The Mock Turtle sighed deeply and drew the back of one flapper across his eyes. He looked at Alice and tried to speak, but for a minute or two, sobs choked his voice. Same as if he had a bone in his throat, said the Griffin, and it set to work shaking him and punching him in the back. At last, the Mock Turtle recovered his voice, and with tears running down his cheeks, he went on again. You may not have lived much under the sea. I haven't, said Alice. And perhaps you were never even introduced to a lobster. Alice began to say, I once tasted, but checked herself hastily and said, No, never. So you can have no idea what a delightful thing a lobster quadrille is. No, indeed, said Alice. What sort of a dance is it? Why, said the griffin, you first form into a line along the seashore. Two lines, cried the mock turtle. Seals, turtles, salmon, and so on. Then, when you've cleared all the jellyfish out of the way, that generally takes some time, interrupted the griffin. You advance twice. Each with a lobster as a partner, cried the griffin. Of course, the mock turtle said, advance twice, set to partners. Change lobsters and retire in same order, continued the griffin. Then, you know, the mock turtle went on, you throw the, the lobsters, shouted the griffin with a bound into the air, as far out to sea as you can. Swim after them, screamed the griffin. Turn a somersault in the sea, cried the mock turtle, capering wide, wildly about. Change lobsters again, yelled the griffin at the top of its voice. Back to land again, and... That's all the first figure, said the mock turtle, suddenly dropping his voice, and the two creatures, who had been jumping about like mad things all this time, sat down again very sadly and quietly and looked at Alice. Well, it must be a very pretty dance, said Alice timidly. Would you like to see a little of it, said the mock turtle. Oh, very much indeed, said Alice. Come, let's try the first figure, said the mock turtle to the griffin. We can do it without lobsters, you know. Which shall sing? Oh, you sing, said the griffin. I've forgotten the words. So they began solemnly dancing round and round Alice, every now and then treading on her toes when they passed too close, and waving their forepaws to mark the time, while the mock turtle sang this very slowly and sadly. Will you walk a little faster, said a whiting to a snail. There's a porpoise close behind us, and he's treading on my tail. See how eagerly the lobsters and the turtles all advance. They are waiting on the shingle. Will you come and join the dance? Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, will you join the dance? Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, won't you join the dance? You can really have no notion how delightful it will be when they take us up and throw us with the lobsters out to sea. But the snail replied, too far, too far, and gave a look askance. Said he thanked the whiting kindly, but he could not join the dance. Would not, could not, would not, could not, would not join the dance. 
Would not, could not, would not, could not, could not join the dance. What matters it how far we go, his scaly friend replied. There is another shore, you know, upon the other side. The further off from England, the nearer is to France. Then turn not pale, beloved snail, but come and join the dance. Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, will you join the dance? Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, won't you join the dance? Thank you, it's a very interesting dance to watch, said Alice, feeling very glad that it was over at last. And I do so like that curious song about the whiting. Oh, as to the whiting, said the mock turtle. They, you've seen them, of course. Yes, said Alice, I've often seen them a di- She checked herself hastily. I don't know where Din may be, said the mock turtle, but if you've seen them so often, of course you know what they're like. I believe so, Alice replied thoughtfully. They have their tails in their mouths, and they're all over crumbs. Well, you're wrong about the crumbs, said the mock turtle. Crumbs would all wash off in the sea. But they have their tails in their mouths, and the reason is... Here the mock turtle yawned and shut his eyes. Tell her about the reason and all that, he said to the griffin. The reason is, said the griffin, that they would go with the lobsters to the dance, so they got thrown out to sea. So they had to fall a long way, so they got their tails fast in their mouths, so they couldn't get them out again. That's all. Thank you, said Alice. It's very interesting. I never knew so much about a whiting before. I can tell you more than that if you like, said the griffin. Do you know why it's called a whiting? I never thought about it, said Alice. Why? It does the boots and shoes, the griffin replied very solemnly. Alice was thoroughly puzzled. Does the boots and shoes, she repeated in a wondering tone. Why, what are your shoes done with, said the griffin. I mean, what makes them so shiny? Alice looked down at them and considered a little before she gave her answer. They're done with blacking, I believe. Boots and shoes under the sea, the griffin went on in a deep voice, are done with whiting. Now you know. And what are they made of? Alice asked in a tone of great curiosity. Soles and eels, of course, the griffin replied rather impatiently. Any shrimp could have told you that. If I'd been the whiting, said Alice, whose thoughts were still running on the song, I'd have said to the porpoise, keep back, please, we don't want you with us. Well, they were obliged to have him with them, the mock turtle said. No wise fish would go anywhere without a porpoise. Wouldn't it really, said Alice, in a tone of great surprise. Of course not, said the mock turtle. Why, if a fish came to me and told me he was going on a journey, I should say, with what porpoise? Well, don't you mean purpose, said Alice. I mean what I say, the mock turtle replied in an offended tone, and the griffin added, Come, let's hear some of your adventures. I could tell you my adventures, beginning from this morning, said Alice a little timidly, but it's no use going back to yesterday, because I was a different person then. Explain all that, said the mock turtle. No, no, the adventures first, said the griffin in an impatient tone. Explanations take such a dreadful time. So Alice began telling them her adventures from the time when she first saw the white rabbit. She was a little nervous about it just at first. The two creatures got so close to her, one on each side, and opened their eyes and mouths so very wide. But she gained courage as she went on. Her listeners were perfectly quiet till she got to the part about her repeating your old father William to the caterpillar, and the words all coming different. And then the mock turtle drew a long breath and said, That's very curious. It's all about as curious as it can be, said the griffin. It all came different. The Mock Turtle repeated thoughtfully. I should like to hear her try and repeat something now. Tell her to begin. He looked at the griffin as if he thought it had some kind of authority over Alice. 
Stand up and repeat, tis the voice of the sluggard, said the griffin. How the creatures order one about and make one repeat lessons, thought Alice. I might just as well be at school at once. However, she got up and began to repeat it, but her head was so full of the lobster quadrille that she hardly knew what she was saying, and the words came very queer indeed. Tis the voice of the lobster, I heard him declare, you have baked me too brown, I must sugar my hair. As a duck with its eyelids, so he with his nose trims his belt and his buttons and turns out his toes. When the sands are all dry, he is gay as a lark, and will talk in contemptuous tones of the shark. But when the tide rises, and sharks are around, his voice has a timid and tremulous sound. Well, that's different from what I used to say when I was a child, said the griffin. Well, I never heard it before, said the mock turtle, but it sounds uncommon nonsense. Alice said nothing. She had sat down with her face in her hands, wondering if anything would ever happen in a natural way again. I should like to have it explained, said the mock turtle. Ah, she can't explain it, said the griffin hastily. Go on with the next verse. Well, what about his toes? The mock turtle persisted. How could he turn them out with his nose, you know? It's the first position in dancing, Alice said, but she was dreadfully puzzled by the whole thing and longed to change the subject. Go on with the next verse, the griffin repeated. It begins, I pass by his garden. Alice did not dare to disobey, though she felt sure it would all come wrong, and she went on in a trembling voice. I passed by his garden and marked, with one eye, how the owl and the panther were sharing a pie. The panther took pie crust and gravy and meat, while the owl had the dish as its share of the treat. When the pie was all finished, the owl, as a boon, was kindly permitted to pocket the spoon. While the panther received knife and fork with a growl and concluded the banquet by... What is the use of repeating all that stuff, the mock turtle interrupted, if you don't explain it as you go on? It's by far the most confusing thing I ever heard. Yes, I think you'd better leave off, said the griffin, and Alice was only too glad to do so. Shall we try another figure of the lobster quadrille, the griffin went on, or would you like the mock turtle to sing you another song? Oh, a song, please, if the mock turtle would be so kind, Alice replied so eagerly that the griffin said in a rather offended tone, No accounting for tastes. Sing her turtle soup, will you, old fellow? The mock turtle sighed deeply and began, in a voice choked with sobs, to sing this. Beautiful soup, so rich and green, waiting in a hot tureen. Who for such dainties would not stoop? Soup of the evening, beautiful soup. Soup of the evening, beautiful soup. Beautiful soup. Beautiful soup, soup of the e evening, beautiful, beautiful soup, beautiful soup, who cares for fish, game, or any other dish, who would not give all else for two pennyworth only of beautiful soup, pennyworth only of beautiful soup, beautiful soup. Beautiful soup, soup of the evening, beautiful soup. Chorus again, cried the griffin, and the mock turtle had just begun to repeat it when a cry of, The trial's beginning, was heard in the distance. Come on, said the griffin, and taking Alice by the hand, it hurried off without waiting for the end of the song. 
What trial is it? Alice panted as she ran, but the griffin only answered, Come on, and ran the faster, while more and more faintly came, carried on the breeze that followed them, the melancholy words, Soup of the evening, beautiful, beautiful soup. Beautiful soup indeed. You know, that's first time in recording this podcast that I've just kind of felt like a crazy person uh, sitting here reading that <laughs> out loud. If you've been reading along with me, you know that Lewis Carroll wrote Beautiful Soup as B-E-A-U-O-O-T-I-F-U-L-S-O-O-O-O-P. Soup. And evening as E-E-Evening. This song, Turtle Soup, is, once again, a parody of a song that was popular in Lewis Carroll's time. It's called Star of the Evening. I tried to find a recording of Star of the Evening because I thought it would be interesting to hear, and I also thought you guys could be getting sick of me reading songs instead of singing them, but I came up empty, recording-wise. I found some Star of the Evening sheet music, but my sight reading isn't quite what it used to be, so I will spare you. On August the 1st, 1862... The real Alice, Alice Little, and her sisters sang Star of the Evening for Lewis Carroll. We know this because Lewis Carroll kept copious diaries. August 1st, 1862 would have been about a month after Lewis Carroll first told the girls the story of Alice falling down the rabbit hole. As we've discussed, he first told them that story on a boat ride up the Thames on Friday, July 4th, 1862. We've also discussed that Lewis Carroll was careful to fill this story with elements that Alice and her sisters would find familiar. Most of these elements were found in Oxford, where Christ Church College is located, where Lewis Carroll and the little girls lived. Such as the Griffin. The Griffin was on the crest of nearby Trinity College at Oxford. I believe there's a Griffin statue there as well, so the girls probably would have seen that. And remember the dodo in Chapter 3? There was a dodo display at the Oxford Museum of Natural History, a place Lewis Carroll frequented. The dining hall where Lewis Carroll ate most of his meals had some rather strange andirons around the fireplace that looked like women with really long necks. Those look quite similar to the original illustrations of Alice after she's grown really tall in Chapter 2, The Pool of Tears. You know, I keep using the past tense, but most of these things are still there today. In fact, just last November, author and Alice scholar extraordinaire Charlie Lovett wrote a piece for the New York Times about a pilgrimage of sorts he took to Oxford to explore Lewis Carroll's and Alice's world. It's a great article. I highly recommend it. I think you can still read it online. I have a sickness in that I'm always drawn to the comment section of any article, even though I know it's just going to depress me. So I read the comments for this Charlie Lovett article. You wouldn't think there could be much controversy in a nice little travel piece like that, but by golly, people found some. Some sharp words regarding Charlie's omission of the tum-tum tree. Also a contentious Jabberwock versus Jabberwocky debate, as well as comments from people that apparently didn't understand that this was a little story about a man traveling to Oxford on an Alice in Wonderland-themed trip and not a comprehensive history of every single thing Lewis Carroll and Alice. Ay ay ay. Back to chapter 10. Notice how Alice has gotten a little more considerate and a little less oblivious about what she blurts out amongst the Wonderland creatures. In the first few chapters, she offended all manner of rodents and birds by talking about her cat Dinah's unsavory habits. 
But now we see her stopping herself twice when she's about to say that the only time she has seen a fish in question is at mealtime. So that's nice. The chapter starts with the mock turtle and Griffin getting very excited while they describe the lobster quadrille to Alice, jumping all over the place and screaming. Then they immediately sit calmly back down again when they're done describing it. Then they demonstrate the dance, which is much more solemn than the crazy description they gave. The lobster quadrille song, according to Martin Gardner's The Annotated Alice, parodies several things at once, including the original Send the Spider to the Fly poem and a minstrel song, Sally Come Up, Sally Come Down. Now, another entry in Lewis Carroll's diary recounts hearing the little sisters sing this minstrel song, which sounds like it must have been a rather offensive scene. I know I'm looking at it through 21st century eyes, but imagining little white Victorian children giving their hearty interpretations of minstrel songs is hard to do without wincing. Uh, If any kids are listening, minstrel shows had nothing to do with ministers or religion or anything like that. They were shows that started in the 1800s in the United States in which white people would put on makeup and pretend to be black people, and they were not very nice shows. Not nice at all. So, after the lobster quadrille, we've got ourselves another punathon. No fish would go anywhere without a porpoise. Shoes are made of soles and eels. S-O-L-E-S and E-E-L-S. Oh my goodness. The mock turtle asks to hear some of Alice's adventures, and we get the very quotable quote from Alice, it's no use going back to yesterday because I was a different person then. In the book The Philosopher's Alice, which I've referenced a few times, the author Peter Heath gets all annoyed at this part and talks about how tiresome Alice's identity crisis has become. I hardly disagree. I think Alice's identity crisis drives some of the most entertaining passages in the book, like when she's trying to figure out who she is by eliminating all the other children she knows. I've also found in my research that a lot of folks, not just Mr. Heath, find Alice's incessant talking to herself rather tiresome. I find it hilarious. I do not get sick of it. That may be because I also tend to talk to myself, often out loud, sometimes in public, which I do not recommend. So she starts to tell her adventures, and the mock turtle and griffin lean in with their mouths all agape and listen. Of course, the John Tenniel illustrations of Alice and the mock turtle and the griffin are lovely, but there are a few other versions that I just love. Peter Newell has one where they just look really cartoony. It's so cute. That's from 1901, which I think means the book was still under copyright, so I guess Harper USA in the big bucks so he could illustrate it. 90 years later, Greg Hildebrandt's Hildebrandt's depiction of Alice, the mock turtle, and Griffin, I think, without exaggeration, is one of the most beautiful illustrations of any edition of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland ever. I know, that's a bold statement. They're perched on rocks at the water's edge. The sky is all pink and purple like it's sunset. The sky's reflected on the water. It's just gorgeous. If you go looking that up, make sure you Google Greg Hildebrandt, Alice in Wonderland. Not just Greg Hildebrandt, because he also has a ton of fantasy and pinup art that is rather racy if you're at work or perhaps in the company of youngins. When the griffin and mock turtle hear that she couldn't recite your old father William properly, unfortunately for us, they demand that Alice 
recite something else and we get a rather bizarre combination of a Bible verse and a poem called The Sluggard. I'm sorry, I shouldn't keep injecting my editorials about the songs and poems. They are totally fun. I just prefer the story keep moving, but I don't mean to color your opinion at all. Uh, they interrupt her because, of course, it makes no sense. And the turtle decides to favor everyone with a song called Turtle Soup, which I've already mentioned, is yet another parody of the song's Tower of the Evening. Just when it seems like the song is going to go on forever, a call of the trial's beginning is heard, and the griffin grabs Alice's hand, and off they run. Whose trial is beginning? Alice doesn't know, neither do we. Chapter 11 is called Who Stole the Tarts? So that doesn't offer too many clues. Unless you're familiar with a certain nursery rhyme, of course. Guys, I have a cold. I don't know how obvious that's been the last few episodes, but I, I've had this cold. I can't shake it. I take it as a personal affront because I, I almost never get sick. So I'm taking this cold very personally. And I, I held off for as long as I could on recording these, but just schedule-wise, it just had to happen. So hopefully in post... In editing, I can take out all the disgusting noises I've made, and they're not going to uh, assault your, your delicate ears. <laughs> and as usual, if you could, please leave a review of the Alice is Everywhere podcast, a super effusive one on iTunes or Stitcher. I would very much appreciate it, and I will see you next time, hopefully much healthier. Talk soon.